Blessed be his name. And that is why we are here this morning at Brian's for Baptist Church. We are here to worship and to lift up the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want to welcome you this morning, those of you that are here maybe for the first time through uh, our television ministry or for, through Facebook Live. We want to welcome you today and so glad that you're with us. Those of you on Facebook Live, they're in that comment section. If you will, right now, if you'll type in your name and let us know you're there. And if there's any prayer requests that you might have, share those with us as well. And we are very glad to have you with us today. And perhaps this is your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg within our worship center. And we want to welcome you today. And you'll notice there in the pew in front of you, there, are, there will be a card there. If you will take that out and fill it out and place it in that uh, offering plate on the round table in the foyer. And we appreciate that. Helps us to know of your attendance today. So glad to have you with us. Again, we do have a lot going on. I hope that you have looked at your bulletin to see those things that are pertaining to you and to your family. Uh, just a little note, I think we've got a little uh, mix-up on the names of days there for the Senior Adult Rally. It is Friday, okay? It is going to be on Friday, and uh, make sure that you're here by 3.20 in order to leave for that, and it's going to be a wonderful time uh, together there uh, for that Senior Adult Rally. And then also notice that the Parent and Youth uh, Luncheon, uh, that'll be next Sunday afternoon, right after the morning service at 12 o'clock. And if you are a parent or a grandparent, or maybe you just bring uh, one of our youth with you on Sundays or Wednesdays, we want you to be here, and we want you to hear about what we have planned, uh, not only for our classes on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, uh, but also outside of those times, what we have planned for uh, the coming semester and the spring semester as well after Christmas. And so a lot going on, and we want you to know how to plug uh, your student into that in this coming year. Also want to remind you of the deacon ordination uh, that is going to be coming up next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, that'll be for uh, Ricky Moore and for Danny Simmons, and I know you'll want to encourage those men. Uh, and so I'll be here at 6 o'clock next Sunday night for that special time together as well. Uh, also, one other item, uh, I think we've got a time that's a little bit wrong for the WMU meeting. Uh, the day is right, but that instead of being at 6 o'clock, that should be 2 o'clock. And so, uh, ladies, make sure you make, make note of that so you're not late for that meeting. So that'll be at 2 o'clock on Tuesday. So a lot going on, a lot of opportunities for you to be plugged in. Uh, make sure you're reading your bulletin and see those things pertaining to you and your family. Uh, again, this morning, we do have many on our prayer list. And I know when it, within our Sunday school class, we had many that were added. A lot of things that are going on uh, with young people, with middle-aged people, with senior adult people. Um, all of us have issues that are uh, facing our lives right now, and so uh, we need to be uh, praying for one another, interceding on behalf of one another. Um, but also, most importantly, we want to pray for the lost. All of us have that individual. Maybe it's somebody very close to you. Maybe it's somebody that you go to school with or work with. Uh, but you've got at least one uh, on your heart right now, I know. Uh, that is lost and that you want to have a gospel conversation with, that you want to encourage to invite to church, that you want to have those opportunities uh, with them. And so we want to pray for the Holy Spirit to move as only he can because without the Holy Spirit convicting hearts, we know they can't be saved. And so uh, we want to pray for the Holy Spirit to do the work that only he can do. But then our obedience, uh, that we would be bold in our witness and that we would be uh, loving enough to share the gospel, to share the answer to uh, each and every one of our greatest need, and that is a relationship with Jesus. And so with that in mind this morning, let's go together to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us 
to come and to worship. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to do life together, that you, you don't just leave us out on an island somewhere, but you've given, you've us, given brothers us brothers and sisters in Christ, in Christ to, to, celebrate to celebrate the successes of life, of life to, laugh to laugh together, together but also, also that we have, that we brothers, have brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling, when we're going when we're through sickness, when we're going through pain, when we're going through a time, a time of questioning, questioning why is this happening, happening to me and to my family. family. We have, we have folks, folks that are going to lift us up and are going to encourage us and help us. us. And so, and so Lord, Lord, we come before, before you this morning, and we thank, we you, thank you that we serve, serve a God, a God. Lord, that, Lord, that you are bigger than anything, anything we're facing. And Lord, and Lord, when we focus on you instead of the situation and circumstances of our lives, we recognize you're in control. Because you are so much greater. You are so much more glorious. And so, Lord, we hand over all those needs to you today. And Lord, the greatest of those is the need of the lost friend, a family member, a coworker, a classmate that Lord, we're praying for today. And we pray for the opportunity to share the gospel with them even today. And for some of us, that one is sitting here today. And so Lord, for them, I pray that even right now, you're beginning to convict them of sin and helping them to recognize their great need for a love relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would help them to recognize just how much you love them and the extent that you went to to show them that love by going to the cross of Calvary and dying in their place, arising again on the third day, and Lord, promising us that if we will repent of our sin and turn to you by faith, that we can be saved. And so, Lord, even to this morning, Lord, I pray that you might do that amazing work of moving the lost and dead in their sin to a relationship of being alive in Christ and a child of God. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. y'all just to sing this chorus with me. Nobody knew I was going to do this, so just don't go away, but I just want you to sing it with me. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Come on, sing with me. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes it washes white as snow. I want you to listen carefully to the words of the song the choir's going to sing. I want you to contemplate this. Where would you be without his blood? Listen.
Amen. Amen. This morning, this morning as, as we come to the time, the time of, prayer of prayer here at the altar, uh, this morning, this morning we have been singing about who, who Jesus Christ is and about his blood and about the fact, the fact that, he that he is the answer, the answer to, our to our greatest need. And, and during our message, our message this, morning, this morning, we're going to be talking about, talking about what it means to, to, to know Christ and, and the danger, and the danger of, of, walking of walking away from his invitation. And so, this, and so morning, this morning, if, you, if you're, like, you're like me, maybe you do, you do have that one, one on your heart, heart. Very, very much very today. today. It's the conviction, the conviction of knowing you need to share, you need to, need to go again and invite. And perhaps this perhaps morning you want to spend this, spend this time during this, during this prayer time, time praying, praying for that lost, for that lost, friend, friend, that lost family member. member. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a parent, spouse, but it's heavy in your heart, they don't yet know Christ. And so maybe they're with you this morning. And you want to pray, pray for them, but, but uh, if you feel comfortable, comfortable coming to this altar and spending some, some time in prayer, let's lift up those, those who desperately need Jesus and pray that Christ, Christ might touch the heart, the heart in their life and that we might see, we might them, see them come to know him even today. Even today. And if they're not if here, they're here today, today, this week, we would be able to have that gospel conversation with them. And so with every head bowed and all eyes closed, we want you to altar is open at this time. Let's spend time in prayer together today. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we do thank you for the precious blood that you shed upon that cross of Calvary in our place. Lord, that you didn't die there for your sin, for you had no sin. You lived a perfect, sinless life. But you went to that cross willingly because of your great love for us. And each of us can make that a personal statement. That you went there for me. Because Lord, I could not pay my sin debt in full. Because I was a sinner myself. You had to go there in my place. And Lord, now that payment has been paid and it has been paid completely. There's nothing more that I have to do for that sin debt to be paid other than to accept that free gift. Lord, I, I can't do any more. I can't add anything to it. It's simply admitting my need and by faith trusting you. Lord, we have so many that we love that need to make that decision even today. That need to come to that place of understanding that it is done. The payment has been made. It is complete. Today would be a day of salvation.
Thank you, Miss D, for that special music. What a wonderful day we've had together, and I'm looking forward to spending time in God's Word this morning. Uh, turn with me this morning to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. And this morning we're going to be focusing on verses 16 through 22. Matthew 19. As you're turning there together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. That while we were yet still sinners, while we were yet still in our rebellion, while we were yet still pushing you away and had no desire to come to you, that, Lord, you loved us so much that you chose to go to the cross of Calvary and die in our place. Lord, you chose to pay our sin debt. Lord, because you desired to draw us to yourself. Lord, we're so thankful that, Lord, you didn't stay in that grave, but three days later, as only you as God could do, you arose because death had no hold on you. And, Lord, now you are awaiting that day where you're going to come back for your church. But, Lord, only for your church. And so we need a relationship with you. So, Lord, this morning I pray for those that don't yet know you as Savior and Lord. I pray for those that are here. I pray for those watching on television. I pray for those watching on Facebook Live, Lord, that right now you're speaking to their heart. That, Lord, they would recognize that they don't yet have a relationship with you. That, Lord, maybe their spouse does, maybe their parents do, maybe their children do, but they don't. And, Lord, I pray that they would recognize their sin and their need for the Savior, and, Lord, their day would be a day of salvation for them. Lord, I pray for those of us that do have a relationship with you, that, Lord, our hearts will be burdened for the lost. Our hearts will be burdened for those that walk up to you and leave without accepting you. Lord, I pray that we would intercede, that, Lord, we would have conversations, that, Lord, we would do everything to put them in front of you time and time again, that, Lord, they would have another opportunity to come and say yes. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel today. Hide me behind that cross that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Again, Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 22, a familiar passage of scripture, as we have a religious, very religious, uh, uh, very desiring to do the right thing, young man who seemingly has a position of, of authority, uh, a position of influence, 
And he's coming to Jesus with a question. How can you live forever? Verse 16. And behold, one came and he said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, All of these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have a treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You may be seated. Again, what do we have here? We have a very sincere, I want you to hear me. We have a very sincere religious young man who has come to Jesus honestly wanting to know how one can come into a place of having eternal life. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us want to live forever. All of us want to, to, to figure out how we can live forever. And if I were to say, you know, how many, raise your hand if, if you want to live forever. Most of us might raise our hands, except for some people who say, ooh, I don't know. I'm getting to the age where this hurts. Uh, but if you could find a way to get rid of all of the aches and the pains of this life, then it would be a no-brainer. We all want to live forever because we all want just a little bit more time with those kids. We all want a little bit more time with those grandkids. We all want a little bit more time with those great-grandkids. We all want a little bit more time with those great-great-grandkids. We all want just a little bit more time with the people that we love and we care about. We're, we're really never ready to let go. We want to live. And I can tell you that because I've been around enough folks who have had terminal illnesses to know that we're willing to do just about anything to live a little bit longer. We're willing to go through any surgery or any treatment, even if it's going to be painful, even if it's going to be costly, because we don't want to leave the people we love. We want to live a little bit longer. We want to stay a little bit longer. We're willing to do whatever it takes to physically live another day. We're willing to go to extremes. And yet, too many are like this young man willing to do anything physically to stay alive. But what about spiritual life? Folks become interested in spiritual things. And they'll come face to face with the Lord. They'll come to church for a little while. You invite them and they'll start coming to church and they'll start hearing things and they'll come face to face with Jesus. But they do not follow through. They do not receive the Lord Jesus Christ into their lives. And what a tragedy that that is. 
far too many people miss Jesus every single day. And they're just like this rich young ruler. They come face to face with Jesus. And yet something is greater than him in their heart. And so they walk away lost. There are four reasons, I believe, why this young man found Jesus physically and yet still walked away lost. And after 2,000 years, people are still making the very same mistake that this young ruler made. So I want to show you the mistakes that this young man made when he came face to face with Jesus Christ. And it may be that you are face to face with Jesus this morning and still making some of the very same mistakes that this young man made. So let's notice together the mistakes that this rich young ruler made. And I want to help everyone here today to avoid making the same mistakes that this young man made. So in order to do that, I want us to ask the question, how does one walk up face to face with Jesus and yet still walk away lost? The first way that happens we see here in verse 16, have the wrong idea about salvation. Notice what he thought about salvation. He said, what can I do? What can I do? What good thing is, is what he asked. And far too many people still today, I would say the vast majority of people in the world today, I will tell you that every other false religion in the world today, this is what it comes down to. What good thing can I do? How can I be a good husband? How can I be a good wife? How can I be a good son? How can I be a good daughter? How can I be a good student? How can I be a good employee? What good thing can I do and earn eternal life? Can I be dedicated enough to church work? Can I, can I make sure that I work at, at enough services? Can I make sure that I work at enough special events at the church to earn eternal life? Can I be disciplined enough to never miss a service, to read my Bible, to gain knowledge of the things of God, to get baptized or to do some other religious action and earn eternal life? That's how so many people view heaven that you have to earn it there are numerous people who believe that eternal life is guaranteed to those who do good things and I say that because I've been to a lot of funerals and I've heard a lot of people say things that are just not biblical I've heard people who would say things about precious folks and we love them and we want to believe that they're in heaven but you'll go to a funeral and you hear somebody say something like this if anyone made it to heaven it's Miss Hazel because Miss Hazel was good to everyone. She did so many good things for her family. She did so many good things for this community. If anybody's in heaven, it's Miss Hazel. Because she did good things. I've got a lot of family members, and many of you do too. And I love them dearly. And they love me, and they would do anything for me. They would do anything for my family. They'd do anything for my kids. But at the end of the day, you know what I know about them? I know they're lost because I've asked them if they have a relationship with Jesus and they've told me they do not. And it breaks my heart and I know many of you are like me today. They do good things but they don't know Jesus. There are many false views concerning sal salvation even today. 
There are so many folks like we've talked about who believe that works will get you there. If you can do enough good things, if I can do enough good things for my neighbor, if I can build enough things, if I can go and, and serve in enough community outreach events to, to, to get people to come to church, then maybe I can urge salvation. There's those who have a, a, a faith plus view of salvation. You know, I'll accept Jesus, but I'll also have to add on baptism. If I have Jesus plus baptism, then I can be saved. Or if I have Jesus plus church attendance, or Jesus plus membership, or Jesus plus this, or Jesus plus that. Jesus plus anything means you're not saved. It's Jesus, period. Some folks have a birthright view of salvation. Well, you know, I have grandparents, I have parents that were charter members of that church, and, and I'm good. I have a wife that's a faithful attender. I have a husband that's a faithful attender. My granddad, how many of you guys are tired of hearing politicians say that their granddaddy was a Baptist preacher? I don't care. That means nothing about you. Because granddaddy being a Baptist preacher doesn't make you saved. Doesn't make you anything. It means he had a relationship with Christ, hopefully. But it doesn't mean that you do. Some folks are trusting in being a, a, a member of a Southern Baptist church or a Church of Christ church or a Catholic church. Because of my denomination, I have to be saved. No. Denominations don't save you. You see, salvation is not about do. Salvation is about done. It is finished. That's what Jesus said. It was complete there at the cross. Nothing more that you could add to it, and you never will. There was an Englishman by the name of Ebenezer Wooten. He had just concluded a preaching service in a village square, and the crowd had begun to disperse, and he was busily engaged in loading up the equipment after the service, and a young man approached him, and he asked him, Mr. Wooten, what must I do to be saved? Well, sensing that this fellow was trusting his own righteousness, Wooten answered in a rather unconcerned way. He said, it's too late. And the young man said, oh, sir, don't say that. But the evangelist insisted, no, it's too late. And then looking at the young man straight in the eye, he said, you want to know what you must do to be saved? I tell you, it's too late now. And any other time it's too late. The work of salvation is done. It's, it's completed. It's finished. And it was finished on the cross. And then he explained that our part is simply to acknowledge our sin and receive by faith the free gift of forgiveness. And that's today what I want you to hear. Many of you are saying, well, what, Brother Brad, what can I do to be saved? Nothing. You can't do anything. To earn your salvation, you have to receive it. There are only, there's only one way. One way to miss hell, one way to gain heaven. Acts 16, 16 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Ephesians 2 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Listen to me, not of works. Lest any man should boast. John 3.16, the greatest gift we've ever received. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John, 6, John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you will ever be saved, then you must get to the cross. You must meet Jesus. You must accept him. Not your works. But how else? How does one come face to face with Jesus and still walk away lost? Secondly, look at verses 16 and 17. Have the wrong idea about the Savior. Notice what he says. He says, good master. What did he mean by good master? He meant, I see you as a great teacher. I see you as, as, a, as a great leader. I see you as a good man, a great man, a, a, a great figure, but short of being God in the flesh. Any other view concerning Jesus but that he is 100% God while also 100% man will never bring you to a place of salvation. John clearly tells us in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says in, in John 1, 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's a teacher, he's a great example, he's a way shower. People say he's a lot of things, but is he God to you? Is, do you understand that Jesus Christ, yes, 100% man, but do you also understand he's 100% God from all of eternity? That's who he is. And so anything less makes him less than God. And if you've made him less than God, then he's less than a Savior. And he's, if he's less than a Savior, then you're lost and you're going to hell. You must view him as who he is. And that's what he tells this young man. Who is Jesus to you? That's the question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? Who, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets, and he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? That's the question. And Simon Peter answered, and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the answer. That is who he is. He's more than just a great teacher. He's more than just a great man. He's more than just a great leader. He is God in the flesh. You must believe it all, or you will miss salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How does he begin? He says, you must confess. You must confess who? You must confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. You must confess him as who he is. He is the God-man. He is the only one who could die for our sins and rise again. He's the only one who could free us from our sin debt. That is who he is. You must confess that Jesus to ever be saved. So how does one come face-to-face -face with Jesus and still walk away lost? Look at verses 17 through 20. 
refuse to acknowledge your sins. Look at what he says here. Jesus, he asked him, you know, what must I do? And he tells him to follow the commandments. But he actually points out six. And he says, all these I have kept. He's saying, Jesus, I'm perfect. I've kept them perfect. Do you know who I am? Come on. I've kept them perfect. And Jesus says, no way. No way. There's no way you've kept them perfect. These six laws that Jesus mentions are actually the easiest to keep, though. And yet none of us here in this room today, I know I haven't, have kept these commandments perfectly. You say, well, I think I have, Brother Brad. Really? So have you ever carried hatred in your heart against another? Have you ever lusted in your heart for another that's not your spouse? Have you ever taken something, either physical or even someone else's ideas, without crediting them? Have you ever said something against another or even just suggested something negative about another that is not completely true? Have you ever disobeyed a parent or simply not given a parent the honor that they are due? Do you always treat your neighbor with the same considerations that you would treat yourself? The answer is, you are not perfect, and neither am I. And that's what he's telling this young man. You are not perfect, and you need to understand that in order to come to me. I know that in my life, I struggle in all those areas. In the flesh, I make mistakes. I sin daily. But you know what? So do you. So do all of us. We are not perfect people. And that's why we needed a Savior. And so right off the bat, this young man is lying about his heart condition to God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Right there, he's lying. Because he's, he's saying, I've kept him perfectly. And he is not so if you can't admit that you are a sinner, then you cannot be saved. Until you admit that you're lost, you can never be found. And that's what he needed. He needed to be found by Jesus, but he was unwilling to even admit his lostness. You see, salvation is always accomplished by two things. First of all, conviction of sins. If you feel no conviction of sin, you cannot be saved. If you come and you say, Brother Brad, I'd like to be saved today, and I'm perfect so I can skip that part of repenting of sin, I'm going to have to tell you, you cannot be saved because you're not feeling any conviction of sin. John 6, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 16, 8, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. John chapter 6, verse 65, and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by, uh, of my Father. Conviction of sin is the first step in you being saved. And so if you're beginning to feel the conviction of sin this morning, if you're beginning to feel that, that heavy weight of sin on, on your life, that you are not a perfect person and that you have sin, that you have You've sinned not against just man, but you've sinned ultimately against God. 
praise the Lord, you understand you're a sinner because that's the first step. But secondly, confession of sins. It's not enough to understand that you have sin, but you must confess that sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The greatest example of this is given to us by Jesus here in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he saith this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Listen to this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican or the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote his breast saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Sin can never be dealt with until it is brought out into the open. We see that throughout Scripture. We see that from the very beginning, from our very first sin. God said, you know what, you have everything in this garden, Adam, Eve, you can enjoy it all. You can enjoy everything here because I've designed it for you. There's just one tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't take the fruit of that tree. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. And so instead of believing God, instead of trusting God, Adam and Eve believed the lies of the enemy. And they took of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and they ate. And immediately because of their rebellion, they entered into sin, and thus they entered into the process of death and ultimately separation from God who loved them. And so when God comes into the garden, he knows where they are, he knows what has happened, he is all-knowing, but to ask the question, to have them admit, he asked the question, Adam, where art thou? Because he knew they were trying to hide, he knew they were trying to push their sin under the carpet, trying to avoid the, the real issue that was there, which was their sin and rebellion. Adam, where are you? He was seeking after them. He wasn't willing to let them go. He loved them too much. And listen to me, church, listen to me. The Savior is still seeking the lost. He's still coming after the one. He'll leave the 99 to come after you if you will admit your sin and cry out to him for forgiveness. If you'll trust in what he has already done, please do not let pride stand between you and your eternal salvation. It is hard to take that first step, I know that. But that first step can lead to eternal life that begins in the here and the now. And the final destination being the end in heaven at home with Jesus. And that's what we all really want. That's what we want at the end is that we not just experience a physical life, but that we have spiritual life in him. 
that we be secure in relationship to him. But then lastly, look at verses 21 through 22. How can one walk up face to face with Jesus and still walk away lost? Hold too tightly to your stuff. To your stuff. He was offered eternal life. He was. But we're told that he went away sorrowful. Why? He had great possessions. I believe that would be better said. Sorrowful because great possessions had him. He was possessed by his possessions. No no material possession. No sin, no pleasure, no indulgence is worth going to hell over. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. Listen to me this morning. What is holding you back? What's keeping you from coming into a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ, considering he has done all the heavy lifting? What will it be worth in hell? What what are you hanging on to that you think is so important? Have any of you ever heard of a monkey trap? Do you know what a monkey trap is? Basically, you have a a, a cage, and you, you have a banana inside of that cage, and there's a small hole, just small enough for a monkey to get its hand in, if it twists just right, to grab a hold of that banana. And once it grabs a hold of that banana, its fist around that banana is too large to get back through the hole. But even though it will cost that monkey either its freedom or its life, it will not let go of the grip of that banana. It'll never let go because it possesses it at that point. That which it desires to possess has begun to possess it because he won't let go. He, he must have it. He, he can't leave it there, even if his life depends on it. And listen to me. For far too many of us this morning, we are in a monkey trap that Satan has set. And we have such a grip on the things of this world, on the things we think we have to have. We're unwilling to let go, even if it's going to cost us our eternal life. And Satan loves having us there. Because he would love to destroy us. Far too many of us are unwilling to let go of that which is about to destroy us. But God promises us more in return than we could ever give up. You say, I can't let go of the world. I can't let go of the money. I can't let go of the popularity. I can't let go of the hobby. I can't let go of whatever it is. I promise you, what Jesus Christ offers is greater. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 through 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, 
there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Your life won't last forever here on this earth, but the good news is God has eternity to repay. High on a hilltop overlooking the beautiful city of Venice, Italy, there lived an old man, an old blind man, and he was a genius. And legend had it that he could be gone to and ask any question and he would give the correct answer. Well, two local boys figured that they could fool this old man, and so they caught a little bird, and they headed over to his residence. One of the boys held the little bird in his hand, and he asked the old man if the bird was a, was a dead bird or if it was alive. And without hesitation, the old blind man said, Son, if I say to you that the bird is alive, you will close your fist, and you will crush that little bird to death. But if I say that the bird is dead... You will open your hand, and the bird will fly free. You see, son, in your hands you hold the power of life and death. Church, this morning, I praise God that when I came face to face with Jesus Christ, that I didn't miss him. I recognized what was at stake because he allowed me to understand. And I said yes. But today is decision day. And in your hand, you hold life and death. You have the opportunity to come, to recognize your sin, to confess that sin, and to accept that which has already been done, which is a relationship with Christ that was purchased for you at the cross of Calvary. Or you have the opportunity to once again reject him, to push him away, and to take another step towards hell. You have a decision, and the decision is between life and death, heaven and hell. What will it be today? Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this illustration of the life of this young man who came to Jesus, and Jesus gave him the opportunity to come, but yet because he was unwilling to let go of this world, he walked away sorrowful. Lord, help us to not be foolish Help us to not be stubborn to the place that we lose our eternal life. Lord, help us to come to you today. Lord, I know there are some folks here that are young. I know there are some folks here that are middle-aged. I know there are some folks here that are old. And they're lost. They don't yet have a relationship with you. And I pray today would be a day of salvation for them. I pray that you would convict them of sin. And Lord, that they would recognize that conviction for what it is. And they would repent and they would come to you. Lord, I can't save them there. Their loved ones can't save them, but Lord, you desire to save them. Lord, help them to recognize that today. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that salvation would take place even now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.